The Charter Podcast, Episode 8 Syrian Academics and Academia Interactions through CARA With Dr. Dina Zoe Belluigi of Queen's University Belfast and Dr. Fatih Shaban of the Academic Centre for Development and Peace Studies in Turkey. First of all, thank you for inviting me to this uh, session. Uh, my name is Fatah Shaban. Uh, I'm from Syria, as you know. Uh, uh, I got my PhD uh, in Egypt in 2013. But because of the war, you know, in Syria, I couldn't get back to my original university, the University of Aleppo. So I decided to come with my family to Turkey to live here. I started, I stayed here for about two years away from the um, academic environment without any academic post. And this um, increased my frustration and discour discouragement uh, until 2017 when I started communication uh, with communicating with the Kara Syria program which I'm going to explain more about. Uh, since 2017, I have been working on many uh, uh, academic research, uh, about, um, especially, particularly on higher education uh, in Syria. Um, so uh, last year, uh, we as Syrian academics uh, we found that we need something to represent us as Syrian academics, to communicate with um, uh, the international academic, not individually, but uh, 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 we, we, we found that we needed um, an institution to represent us. So, um, uh, and uh, I and some other Syrian academics decided to establish the Academic Center for Development and Peace Studies, uh, ACDB, here in Turkey, in Gaziantep. Actually, this uh, uh, center uh, uh, is independent, non-for-profit, and it seeks to involve academics and researchers and harness Syrian expertise, whatever it exists, to contribute to rebuilding the Syrian state and society and promoting civilian peace building also on um, scientific and practical basis. This uh, center uh, actually uh, uh, aims to achieving many goals of which, uh, for example, to study the challenges facing Syrian society, both in Syria and in exile, and to uh, propose creative solutions and to, to contribute to the establishment and development of national in institution capable of providing society with the necessary knowledge and expertise. One of the most important goals uh, is uh, to provide a platform for Syrian academics and researchers from various disciplines to exchange views and exper experiences, because um, one of uh, um, most challenges that we face here is the lack of affiliation for Syrian academics. And we aim that this uh, center would provide 
um, uh, affiliation for Syrian academics. Um, actually, since 2017, uh, I have conducted many research, either on higher education or uh, on my specialism, which is geography. Uh, and that was uh, because of mainly because of the great uh, job that Kara um, have done for for us. Uh, I met with Dina through Kara too in Istanbul in 2019 in a workshop which was uh, held by Kara. Uh, since that time, uh, we have been working on uh, several research uh, blogs and we have many activities. Uh, now we are writing a chapter book, uh, also mainly on uh, higher education. Thank you very much. That's, that's very good. Perhaps I'll, I'll turn to Dana to talk a little bit about the, the work that you've been doing. You met in 2019, uh, as I understand it, and you've in uh, Turkey and you've already begun. You've had a, you've got a blog post. You've got a paper. Is that right? Or yeah. And then there's a, a chapter of the book. Maybe tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Thanks, Maris. Um, yeah. So also just to introduce myself, um, I'm an academic in higher education studies here at Queen's. And so Fatah and I are really counterparts um, researching a similar area of inquiry, really. But um, because of the nature of Syrian higher education, what's happened over the long period of conflict, um, it, it's brought us together. Um, so, yes, we met in 2019 at a roundtable that was facilitated with the University of Kent and CARA um, through a project that Fatih and myself as um, collaborators and Tom Parkinson and a number of other academics um, proposed to do, which was around the question of what is academic development in conflict? I had previously um, worked in academic development and conducted research in academic development in South Africa, which um, uses quite different models to that which is um, prevalent in Western-oriented universities. Um, and uh, we met um, during that time period. There were um, a number of Syrian academics there. There were also academics from occupied territories such as Palestine, um, a, a university in exile um, in Belarus, as well as those from contexts such as myself in South Africa and here in Northern Ireland, post-conflict contexts um, from Kosovo and Serbia. And um, the point of such period of time of bringing together academics um, to ask questions about how do you continue your academic practice? Um, how does one make sure that academic freedom to practice as an academic is actually being protected and it's not just an ideal. Um, that, that is what we did. We spent three days of a round table speaking from our experiences, talking about the problematics really of, of such support. And then from that, we've developed, I guess, a relationship um, in pursuing our scholarship. So yes, we've, we've written um, a paper together about that roundtable. We've also uh, written a blog post and the blog post has actually in a way served as quite a nice catalyst because in the blog post we said um, that particularly critical university studies, which is an area of study of the university, is not paying sufficient attention to the question of what happens when 
academic freedom, when institutional autonomy, all these virtues that we're meant to hold dear and almost take for granted, what happens when that falls apart? Um, and are scholars paying enough attention when they're not comfortable within their own institutions? And I guess, uh, Fatah, for you, that's not just a, a theoretical or academic question. You've, you've obviously uh, faced those barriers in, in real life. Uh, is, that, is that something that Cara has been able to, to help you with in terms of overcoming those barriers? Yes, actually, uh, I see that Cara is, it uh, has opened doors for me to build networks and to conduct research. CARA uh, uh, Syria program includes six strands. I get benefits from all these strands. For example, CARA helped me to improve my uh, English language, which was one, uh, uh, you can see it is the main barriers for most of Syrian academics to communicate with other academics around the, uh, the world. So CARA, within, through its uh, program, uh, improved my uh, English language. Kara um, has secured the teacher from Edinburgh University, which uh, uh, who is uh, Dr. Cathy Benson, to teach me English. We have uh, made more than uh, I think 150 uh, sessions, and uh, we are still in communicating. We have weekly lessons or sessions, uh, and also Kara uh, developed or built or rebuilt my uh, academic uh, skills through workshops, uh, either face to face before the Corona pandemic and or uh, virtual nowadays. Um, also, Cara uh, facilitated uh, a visit for me to um, the University of Sussex in incubation um, uh, research visit uh, for five weeks. I get benefits, uh, really it was uh, very useful for me to visit the UK. It, it, it wasn't just academic, also communicating with the academics there. It is something like, you can say impossible for Syria to get visas and to, to spend money to, to travel outside to participate or to get visits uh, in uh, British uh, uh, universities, but CARA could facilitate that visit. Also, Cara uh, involved me in many uh, uh, projects, uh, academic projects, uh, or sorry, research projects. Um, uh, now we have uh, submitted for two projects. I have been involved in three other projects, also many other uh, studies, like uh, we, we participated with the University of Cambridge. We produced uh, two reports about higher education in Syria, post and the P. Uh, 2011, and then Cara uh, uh, supported me to produce another report about uh, higher education in northern Syria. Moreover, Cara uh, uh, gave me um, a research grant uh, to conduct um, two research, uh, one on the higher education and the other on the um, uh, uh, the, the, the damage uh, to the uh, road networks in Syria, which is mainly my, my specialism. Um, uh, actually, there are many and many other profits that I, 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 I get from uh, Cara Syria program, and we are still uh, working on some other uh, uh, project and research. 
here uh, the 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 the, uh, the the main thing that i can say here that uh, i i haven't found any other uh, international program that uh, uh, supports syrian academics in exile just kara syria program kara syria program uh, has supported us directly um, other through workshops through um, building networks, which is, uh, I, I believe, uh, the most important thing that I get from Kara Syria program. I have many other, uh, I have uh, relationships and networks with academics um, from around the world, especially uh, in the UK. And now uh, we are preparing to conduct um, other studies or research, and we hope that we uh, can start a project uh, on uh, supporting uh, universities in northern Syria in the uh, near future. I, I see, uh, Dina, you're you're nodding along there. I, I, I guess you agree with the with Fatih's assessment of the importance of the Syrian program in in uh, the Cara program, I should say. Do you yeah. want to expand on that? Yeah, so I mean, Cara has a long history, and and I mean, people can can look that up, extending from World War Two. And it's gone through various permeations. Mo people may know of it most because of um, the channels that it creates for fellows to come individually and be hosted by institutions. But actually, the Syrian program built on the strength of a number of other programs, including one in Zimbabwe and one elsewhere in the Middle East, um, where instead of taking individuals, there is an approach of working with large groups of academics in exile. I think there are around 300 that are signed up to the Syrian program. All the academics who, um, from the UK who contribute do so voluntarily. Um, and as Fateh said, there's um, I'm on the steering committee for, for the program and there's a number of different streams. Those streams come out of areas that are identified by the Syrian academics themselves. And in that way, that's quite unique. Um, so sometimes there's aspects around teaching and learning. Sometimes there's aspects around research development. Sometimes it's around language. Um, so there are various permeations, um, and I think it will continue to change with time. What has been really important is that the establishment of the ACDP by Syrian academics really signals a big shift change. Um, wider than just Syria, the issue of conflict allows for NGOs, um, academics, benevolent or not, to profit from conflict. And they often don't center local knowledge. Um, so the local knowledge of academics is so important, but yet often those academics are not put in a position to lead that research. And I think Cara's got done a really good job of trying to make sure that those who have the most knowledge are leading those projects. So, uh, Fatih, just to, I suppose, move towards a, a conclusion, you're, uh, you're talking about developing uh, the project in northern Syria. What, what are your plans for that? What is, what, how do you see the future for that venture? Yeah. Yes, uh, actually, um, 
the situation in Syria is, uh, especially in northern Syria, is very difficult because people there um, feel like uh, I said, um, uh, they have been neglected or isolated. They can't travel, they can't communicate with the international community. Uh, there is uh, obstacles uh, fr uh, from the, the international community also to communicate with them. Um, uh, when I was uh, in the UK, I found that uh, uh, British, uh, the, the academic environment in general doesn't know about what is going on, what was going on in Syria. So um, uh, they said, we don't know uh, about Syria. We can't go there. We don't have um, uh, a partner there to work with us. So that was uh, another idea which uh, encouraged us to establish ICDB. For the Syrian academics uh, and universities in uh, northern Syria and non-regime areas, they have been neglected. There is no uh, international program to support uh, academic there um, because uh, there is many other obstacles related to the USA sanctions, uh, the uh, lack of access to uh, the area and many, many other things. So um, uh, we uh, uh, decided um, with CARA uh, program and two uh, Turkish universities to build a program to uh, support academics uh, in, in northern Syria by um, uh, help them to improve their skills and to build capacity. They need a lot to um, to improve their skills and to, to be communicated with the uh, international community. So we have submitted um, a project to uh, Spencer Foundation from USA uh, and we are waiting for, for uh, a response from them. Such a program, uh, I believe, uh, is very important for uh, uh, not just uh, Syrian academics in northern Syria, but also for the, uh, so, uh, the, the, the local community, because, you know, uh, it has been 10 years of conflict and people are away from anything around the world. If we could give them um, uh, or put them in communication with the international community, that would be um, very, very useful for them to uh, exchange knowledge with uh, people uh, around the world. And I believe um, that uh, those people need a lot of support, um, uh, need um, uh, to be communicated with the international community and um, uh, students actually uh, needs, uh, 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 for, for example, um, last year, um, uh, Cardiff University started something, uh, sorry, Sheffield University. They would like to, to uh, uh, support students by, by um, uh, uh, online uh, teaching and uh, to, to improve their English language. But unfortunately, uh, the uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic uh, uh, stop this uh, uh, initiative. Uh, we are trying now to help those people. The ICDB is also one of the objective and goals of the ICDB is to uh, facilitate networking between those universities and uh, the international community. One of these, what we could achieve, but uh, unfortunately it hasn't been started yet, is a project uh, with the uh, the University of Kent. Uh, it is related to uh, uh, 
conflict intersections. Uh, we uh, bid the project to uh, uh, to uh, facilitate communication between uh, the uh, research center and at the Free Alibu University and ACDB um, with the Kent University. Um, unfortunately, we, we got approval, uh, but unfortunately, uh, the funder from UK, uh, AHR or GCR, if something like this, decided to postpone uh, the the uh, the budget because um, of something happened in the UK. We hope that they will accept it as soon as possible because we are really needed. We we, we really needed to support. Uh, academics inside Syria. The project that Fateh is talking about is a project that it has a number of us as collaborators. Tom Parkinson from Kent University is the PI, myself, Fateh, um, Dr. Abdul Latif and, and some other collaborators within Turkish universities have put together the Living Systems Project and that was uh, we were notified that that was successful. It's a fascinating project that's going to look at knowledge exchange and communication between southern Turkey and northern Syria. Northern Syria, you know, may know, Morris, is in a strange position at the moment in terms of international law because it's a freed area, but because of the arrangement and understandings around sovereignty of nation states, it means that it has very little power to regulate its practices. So um, institutions there cannot give certified qualifications. Um, they cannot make certain claims or um, associations because of this current state of suspension that Syria is northern Syria is in. So we'll be looking at some of the ways in which um, academics have used their agency and patterns of movement across those universities to continue to fulfil their obligation to academic knowledge and growth, despite the fact that institutional autonomy is not protected within those spaces. So it was fantastic to get awarded. This is certainly not the first application that uh, myself or Fateh have made, or our collaborators. We've made a number, um, of course, always highly rated, and the, the, um, the amount of rewards is very low in the UK. Um, but we, we were told that we were successful mid-year. Unfortunately, because of the reduction in the amount of money that the UK government is giving to ODA assistance, which is absolutely imperative for a search of this nature, because of those decisions, um, the award, decisions about the award, our plans have been constantly deferred and still we're in a state of deferral now. Of course, that I mean, that that decision by the government has had implications for the charity sector, sector, terrible implications. But I think it's really important for people listening to this to have an understanding of what it does to those academics who are dependent, those projects that are dependent on such funding. Academics at risk, many are, uh, and in exile, many are not employed. The vast majority are not employed um, within institutions. And so, their academic practice, such as, as um, Dr. Shaban right here, is completely suspended when that funding happens. So this is not a small issue, it's, it's a large issue and actually sort of 
um, you know, we have to ask questions about the implications of um, funding that is supposedly and advertised as available that then shifts when decisions are made after those funds are advertised. So can I add something? Yes, please. As uh, Dina said, uh, actually for, for myself, uh, I built dreams on this project. Mm. I was waiting it uh, because it is very difficult for us here. Uh, the, the life is just to earn living is very difficult for us as Syrians. And that project uh, would be something uh, to, to not just to support me uh, financially, but also to uh, uh, help me to, to help us, me and Shahir Abdul Latif, to build our center and to support Syrian academics. Unfortunately, we haven't got it yet. Not yet. Let's let's hope that uh, eventually the all the pieces fall into place and and the funding comes through. Uh, certainly, in the meantime, that that sounds as though there are obstacles, plenty of obstacles, but uh, there's lots of really great work going on, which seems to to me at any rate both to be enriching the lives of the Syrian academics involved, but also allowing us to share in their expertise. Uh, also, one thing, uh, if you allow me to, to, to add, uh, I, I visited the UK before in 2018, uh, 19. Uh, I hope that one day I would be hosted also by universities, Queen Belfast University. Um, for, for me, uh, I have got many opportunity to travel. I, I have been to Europe and UK many times. Um, I don't like to stay there as a permanent, as refugee or uh, uh, asylum seeker. Uh, or most of us would like to uh, go back to their uh, country. Um, one day we believe that one day we would we will be able to get back to our country. Mm. But also we have to uh, uh, to uh, improve our skills and to uh, to to save, let me say, the intellectual capital of Syrians to be able in the future to uh, participate in rebuilding their country. And this is what I believe for myself. So I hope that I could visit uh, uh, a well-known university to, to learn and to, uh, to improve my skills. Uh, I believe that would be very important for our country in the future. That's uh, certainly something to look forward to. Uh, Dana, sorry, did you want to, to say something? No, um, that's very much uh, one of the um, intentions within this project is for Fateh and Shahir to come and learn from the Mitchell Institute, which has learned a considerable amount about conflict, peace, security, um, and to really share in that mutual benefit where, where we also learn from so much of what is happening in Syrian higher education and the agency of academics, such as Fateh and Shahir, to, to manage despite the circumstances in fulfilling their obligations. Very good. Well, uh, let's hope we'll be able to meet up, not just much on screen, but in, in person at some point in the, in the near future. Dr. Fatah Shaban and Dr. Dina Zoe Belwiji, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
since we recorded our interview with Fatih, uh, there's been some developments. Uh, maybe you could tell us what those are. Yeah, so unfortunately, we were given devastating news just yesterday. Um, so we spoke about this a bit in the recording about how last year we were told that our application to establish a global partnership was successful. Um, and this was by no means the first application that we've put in. Um, you would know, Morris, how tiny the success rate is for applications to these funds, that the need is massive to research and come to an understanding of global challenges, but the part is actually quite tiny. Um, so at the time last year, the AHRC told us we were successful and asked for information about how we were going to adapt to deal with COVID and the restrictions. But then after that, we had a period of sort of radio silence. Then from responses to our emails, we began to realize that the reduction in the UK's government commitments to official development assist assistance, basically their overseas aid budget for those in the global south, was going to affect the calls made and those notified as successful prior to the government's announcements of those reductions. Um, we've been waiting, waiting for months. The project commencement date was delayed. And then yesterday on the 16th of March, we were notified that the successfully selected project won't be funded. So ours is not the only project, um, but regardless, the impact is devastating, particularly for our, Sy our Syrian co-eyes. Um, for years now, um, we in the UK have engaged with those academics, sometimes in unfunded projects, sometimes with small pots of money secured by the Council of At-Risk Academics. Um, and you must remember that most of these academics, the vast majority, do not have salaried employment, nor institutions housing them. Um, so there was a hope. Uh, I'm thinking perhaps now maybe a myth um, that all these small projects would eventually lead to something more sustainable and also to more equitable relations, which is part of the impetus of the Global Challenge Res Research Fund. Um, but I'm really concerned, and I think I'm I think it's legitimate that I am concerned that after this move by the UK government, we're effectively raiding monies that was meant to be for aid for the global south to during during a global pandemic to plug the UK's wider budget deficit. I don't think we can ethically keep espousing that myth. I think it's irresponsible, it's exploitative whether or not it comes from a, a benevolent place. Um, so yes, we've corresponded as a team, and of course we're going to keep pushing and using our agency as individuals and academics against the odds, and, um, and, and look forward because really we don't have another option but to do so. And looking forward is something very much that Fateh talks about. Um, but I think it's disingenuous for those of us sitting here within UK institutions, to claim that there is a systemic commitment to um, the common goods and the SDGs under these conditions. Well, thank you for that update. Uh, um, sorry to hear the difficulties. Um, and let's hope that there will be, we'll be able to find another way to progress uh, with this great project. But in the meantime, thank you very much. Thank you, Morris.
For more in this series, subscribe to Queen's University Belfast, The Charter Podcast, on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.